Hello, this is Sydney Moon, and welcome to the Holiday Moons Podcast, where we share our love for the holidays with you year-round. This is Randy, and today I will be talking about Cinco de Mayo. This is Cole, and today I will be discussing the origins of birthday celebrations. This is Beth, and I will be talking about the 17-year cicadas. So welcome to the podcast. We have a lot of fun topics today, but first we have some holiday happenings. Last week, we had Easter Sunday, where we got to celebrate together as a family, and Kelia, Cole's girlfriend, was over as well. We got to have Easter dinner together. We played some family games, mm-hmm. so that was very fun. We Easter dressed day. up. We dressed and up. took pictures. That's right. We took yeah. some pictures outside in front of our ornamental cherry tree. Yep. And it was a gorgeous day. Very pretty day. It was day. such a pretty day. Mm-hmm. And it, as it is today. Yeah. yeah Windows really... are open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ice speaking of the weather today, the red buds are out here, which is a, a tree that grows in northern Virginia that gets uh, like a pink-purple type flower on it, like little b- clusters of flowers all over the tree branches. So they're really pretty. There's a lot of them out here. They're beautiful. They get very bright. Yeah, very bright. Like pink purpley color mm-hmm. it's also the time of year when the lilacs start blooming and the nice yes. thing about the lilacs is that they smell incredible oh, they do goodness. and we have some near our windows so we can open our windows and let the smell yep, waft in. through the yes. house and it's so lovely it is. it is such a great smell lilacs are some of my favorites same mm-hmm. so we've been working on well cole and i've been working on fertilizing the lawn, mulching the lawn, um, all the normal early spring things that we need to do. So lots of things happening there. We are moving into birthday season for our family and for the Andersons, actually. The Andersons, um, who are listeners of our podcast, they have a couple birthdays this last week and this coming week with uh, Marie and Trish Anderson. And then later in the month, Sydney and Cole have their birthdays. Yep. Followed by my birthday in mid-May. Yeah. We also have our Beth and my 32nd wedding anniversary coming up. Yes, it's 32 years. Is it 32? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. 32. You saw my blank look. I, I was like, is it 32 years? <laughs> right. Historically, I remember better than Beth does. <laughs> I and, knew it was a long time. And a reminder to all our listeners that this year's Mother's Day for the United States is much earlier than you might be used to. It is actually on May 9th. Mm-hmm. So just remember. Get prepared. Get prepared for Mother's Day. Yep. And as Cindy said, the, the stores have the Mother's Day cards out, so don't wait till the no. last minute. Yeah, because they are filled right now, but now just expect the stores to like be completely dead and out of everything right of that holiday, right before that holiday. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I will say a couple years ago we went to a church. So if you know if you're in an organization or um, a church, this might be something interesting to do. They put Mother's Day cards in the men's bathroom with pens. Mother's Day cards, right? So that they could grab a card and fill it out just in case they, they forgot. For- right. <laughs> and what did the, what did the little sign say? It said, "We've got your back." <laughs> yeah. So and they were nice little. Cards. Yeah. They're nice Mother's Day cards. So men yeah. could grab them and they'd be able to give their wife at least or a card. Yeah. That's or right. Mother. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Right. But I hope you give them a lot more than that because they yeah. deserve it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And the stores all have their summer stuff out. Yes. Um, so that looks like that'll be there for a while now. 
Yes. You might be able to hear the birds. They're really loud. They, <laughs> they are, are loud. But it's, oh my goodness, it is so nice today. It yeah. smells wonderful. And speaking of spring, you oftentimes think of little kittens yeah. or puppies. Like kitten season. Yeah. Puppy season mm-hmm. So I just recently got a puppy. Well, not got. I put down a deposit for a puppy. <laughs> so I'm going to pick it up. Me and mom were, are actually going to pick it up just before Mother's Day. So that'll be really exciting. It'll be 10 weeks old by that point. And it is super cute. It is a little Yorkie Poo. So for those who don't know what that is, it's a mix between a Yorkshire Terrier and a Poodle. So it's the size of like a Yorkie, but a little bit more solid and have more of that Poodle fur. Right. The fur curls a little more. Yeah. And it's um, hypoallergenic. Right, because you have to get it groomed. Right. Yes. It doesn't shed. It doesn't shed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So that would be nice for my little apartment. <laughs> True. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So we can go on walks and have little adventures, and summertime is the perfect time to do it. Yeah. Spring it and summer. Yeah. Spring, yeah. That's it right. It is. So last week, I talked about May the 4th. May the 4th be with you, which is known as... May the the Star Wars Day? Star, Star Wars, Wars Day. Day. Yeah. So this week... I'm talking about May 5th, which in Star Wars world was Revenge of the 5th. Yes. <laughs> but a more well-known holiday on May the 5th is Cinco de Mayo. True. Right. That's right. So why do you think, what do you think the celebration of Cinco de Mayo is about? But why is it, well, what's the origin? I don't know. I don't know that information. I just know it's a big party and... Should eat Mexican food and have pinatas. So it's Mexican related. Yeah. And why? Do you have any idea why it might be celebrated? Oh, I do know. I just am blanking like on it. Is it like Mexican Independence Day or something? I that was exactly what I was hoping you would say. No, <laughs> <laughs> because most people think it's Mexican Independence Day, like our Fourth of July, right? You know, th- that sort of thing, or you know. Other countries have their Independence Day. It's, Canada has their Independence Day. It's not Day of the Dead. No. So that's in the Halloween time frame. Right, right. Yeah, yeah okay. no, it's not the, the Day of the Dead either. So it's yeah. not the Independence Day. Uh, so it's a different celebration of a different battle. And who would you guess they may have been battling? And obviously they won. So who would they have been battling? Who do, you, who do you think? Spain? Right, so typically you think of Mexico, you think of Spain. And no, Alamo was the United States and Mexico fighting in Texas. Mm. So yeah, you think of Spain. So this right? is actually a, a um, military defeat over France, which most people would not guess. France, I know. France I invaded Mexico at one point. Yes, yeah, huh. so... And they, and they lost the battle? Well, let's talk about that, so... Interesting. Yeah. That's what I thought. It was interesting. <laughs> why do we celebrate Cinco de Mayo in the United States? Right. right? And why? where does it come from? Right? All those kind of things. So, like Beth said, like Beth participated in, many people mistakenly think of Cinco de Mayo as the celebration of Mexican Independence Day, which was declared actually in 1810. So, Independence Day for Mexico is on September 16th. And it's the anniversary of the revolutionary priest Miguel Hidalgo y Castilla's famous Grito de Dolores, Cry of Dolores, referring to the city of Dolores Hidalgo, Mexico, which was a call to arms that amounted 
to a declaration of war against the Spanish colonial government in 1810 that then led to the Mexicans' independence from Spain. So, 1810. Well, that's not what this is. <laughs> Thanks for the information. <laughs> right. So, Cinco de Mayo has its roots in the aftermath of the Mexican-American War of 1846 to 1848, the Mexican Civil War of 1858, and the Reform Wars of the 1860s, between different factions within Mexico, where the liberals ultimately won and Benito Juarez was elected president. Unfortunately, wars are very expensive, and to finance its conflicts, the Mexican government had borrowed heavily from England, Spain, and France for those various wars. All this warfare left the Mexican treasury nearly bankrupt, and the European powers expected the debts to be repaid. So, in 1861... So many years after independence, President Juarez, in an attempt to give the Mexican economy a chance to recover, suspended all foreign debt payments for two years, which did not sit well with France, Britain, and Spain. Yeah. So after trying to solve it diplomatically, Spain and Great Britain, actually all three countries invaded Mexico. But with some diplomatic wrangling, Mexico came to terms with Spain and Great Britain, and they withdrew their forces. But French decided to use the opportunity to carve out an empire in the Mexican territory and hopefully reduce the United States' influence over North America. So in 1862, the United States was in the midst of what war? 1862. Civil War? Civil War, that's right. So the South was trying to convince several European governments to become allies which, if successful, could have helped permanently split the United States. Late in 1861, the French fleet stormed the port of Veracruz and landed 6,000 French troops in that city. And they were certain that the um, victory would be swift as they marched towards Mexico City. So Juarez desperately rounded up a ragtag force of loyal Mexican citizens and sent them to the town of Pueblo de Los Angeles, directly in the path of the French. About 4,000 Mexican militia fortified the town and prepared for the French assault. It was under the command of General Zaragoza. So most of Zaragoza's men were farmers armed with antiquated muskets, machetes, and farm implements. On May the 5th, Cinco de Mayo, 1862, Lorenz and his army arrived, Lorenz was the general of the French troops, arrived in front of the city of Puebla. Uh, Showing his contempt for the Mexicans, General Lorenz ordered his troops to attack the middle of General Zaragoza's defenses. The French cavalry galloped through ditches, over adobe ruins, and up the slope of Guadalupe Hill. But the Mexican militia stood its ground and sent the French forces reeling back from the town. The battle lasted from daybreak to early evening, and the French lost nearly 500 soldiers. I will say I saw they lost anywhere from 500 to 1,000 soldiers, while the Mexican defenders lost less than 100. So Lorenz and the French forces fled back to Veracruz with Zaragoza's militia in pursuit. So that victory represented a significant morale boost for the Mexican people, and Puebla de Los Angeles, the site of Zaragoza's historic victory, was renamed Puebla de Zaragoza in honor of the general. So what the French wanted to do was set up like a mini-empire. So Napoleon was in charge of France at the time. Ah, um, Napoleon II. Mm. Oh, okay. So he wanted to stand up 
a emperor, Maximilian I, to rule Mexico. In fact, he, he put him in place there. But, unfortunately for Maximilian, the Mexican people did not want the French there. And by 1867, the whole French uh, invasion had been overturned. Benito Juarez returned to Mexico City as the president and ousted the French from the area. So that's why we celebrate Cinco de Mayo, because that was the day that the Mexican, the ragtag army, defeated a well-trained French military. That's really cool. So, why do we celebrate that in the United States, you may wonder. Mexicans and Latinos living in California in the 1860s, which was quite a few back then, as it is true today as well, are credited for being the first to celebrate Cinco de Mayo in the United States. Far up in the gold country of Colombia, now Columbia State Park, Mexican miners were so overjoyed at the news that they spontaneously fired off rifle shots and fireworks, sang patriotic songs, and made impromptu speeches. Cinco de Mayo has been celebrated in California continuously since 1863. Okay. Wow. For many years, it was virtually ignored in Mexico. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, but this is this is reminiscent of things coming over from Germany, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a different avenue. They're coming right. up from Mexico versus over Germany, the right. Ireland. Ireland. Yeah. Yeah. And our desire to celebrate in the United States. Yeah. Right. That's right. We like our holidays. Yeah, that is interesting <laughs> that we tend to celebrate them more than the home right. country might do. Right. Yeah. So I think it's because we have a celebratory. Um, culture, but also a culture that, because it's such a free market, producing things for these holidays and yes. publicizing them right. is very them. easy yeah. to yes. do in the U.S. So mm-hmm. spreading around the fact that this is a thing yeah. is very easy to do in the U.S. It's and then people, for, other people pick that up. Right. So it's good for, it's great for fun, and it's also great for business, that right. kind of combination here yeah. in America. That's right. Today, Cinco de Mayo is a big deal in Puebla, but remains a relatively minor holiday in Mexico. In the United States, it's evolved into a celebration of Mexican culture and heritage. And as Californians, they've long had traditions and ties back with Mexico, dating back to the early days of the Californios. uh, So that, you know, it's kind of came out of that area. So that's a long time, right? So what made it a nationwide celebration versus one that was focused in California? So in the 50s and 60s, Mexican-American youths appropriated the holiday and it gained binational flavor as it celebrates ways to build Mexican-American pride. Celebrations uh, sometimes acquired corporate sponsors and this was a way that the holiday began to take on a commercial flavor. In the 1980s, the holiday began to be commercialized on a wide scale. Now, Cinco de Mayo is promoted as the day to celebrate Mexican food, culture, traditions, and, of course, alcohol. Of course. Yeah. So, in Mexico today, it's celebrated in a very low-key manner. Students get the day off. Banks and government offices are open. The only major parades and fiestas take place south of the border in the city of Puebla, where there's a military parade and a mock battle staged to commemorate the Battle of Puebla for the holiday. That's cool. In the United States, there are many big celebrations of Cinco de Mayo in a number of cities. Chicago, Denver, Portland, St. Paul, Minnesota. So a number of places to celebrate those in a big way. Cinco de Mayo is one of the top five drinking holidays in America. 
Oh, that's funny. Some of the popular drinks include tequila, tecate, mecheladas, and margaritas. Mm. Yes, all sounds familiar. Yep. <laughs> In Mexico, it's become a little bit bigger because they've combined it with the International Mole Festival. So, mole like the creature? No, mole like the food. So, um, since... What's mole food? <laughs> let me tell you. Okay. Because it's not pronounced mole, it's pronounced mole. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that sounds so much better. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So, they combined it with this um, celebration of mole poblano, which are also originated in Puebla. They combined this kind of food festival with the festival celebrating the battle from years ago and now there's a lot of culinary discussion exhibitions tastings international chefs and things like that abroad into the area so it has become a little bit bigger in mexico only because they've combined it with some other celebrations as well yeah well good for them yeah so that's kind of why it's in the united states more than it is in mexico but we uh reminds me of saint patrick's day <laughs> yeah it does for ireland that's that true which i don't know for sure, but I imagine it's probably the number one drinking holiday. It's, it's also in the top five. I didn't bother to see which I was one was guess which, that, but which it's one? in yeah. the top five yeah. as well. The green beer and mm-hmm. it's the one that I think if someone says a holiday for drinking, yeah. mm-hmm. I think of St. Patty's Day yeah. Yeah. right away. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I hope you celebrate and have fun on your Cinco de Mayo. Maybe have your own battle reenactment <laughs> or okay. mole, whatever that is. That's right, or some kind of Mexican food. Oh yeah, I forgot to say, mole poblano is a um, is a marinade and a sauce that has originated from various parts of Mexico. Puebla is one of the main ones, but there's a couple other places. And it, it's a very complex sauce to create. It can include things like fruit, chili pepper, nuts, black pepper, cinnamon, cumin. It's a lot of different yeah. tastes there together. Guacamole. Waxbole, pipion, a lot of different things, and it's a very complex sauce to recreate. Interesting. Um, so that's why it's very popular. And apparently, you can combine these flavors and the ingredients in a lot of different ways, which is it becomes complex because to recreate somebody else's, you got to have a lot of detailed um, information about how to do that. But yeah. that's kind of why that's the mole poblano. And it's kind of, it has its own history as right. well. Right, yeah. Interesting. So, as we've mentioned, we have a few fun birthdays coming up. Sydney and my birthday are at the end of the month here. Yep. Just a couple of days apart. Also, my roommate's birthday is right, is one day after my birthday. Yeah, that's right. And then... His sister's birthday is two days after his birthday. Oh, oh that's wow. funny. Yeah. That's really funny. Yeah, so that's fun. It's kind of switched from uh, mm-hmm. our situation. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a little bit more common than we thought. Yeah, yeah. But I was thinking, I'm not sure that we've ever done the origin of birthdays on the podcast before. I think we may have done the origin of, like, elements of birthdays. Yeah, I don't remember. Or we may have not done that at all either. I don't know. I think we've talked about birthdays. I I think we've talked about birthdays in some capacity before. Yeah. Maybe in season one or two. In season one, yep. (laughs) Go back to our season one to review and maybe just listen to all those podcasts again. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) See if you can find it. Uh, Yeah, but I found a pretty good kind of synopsis on (laughs) pumpitupparty.com. 
really where, funny. Is that where you go for all your good synopsis? <laughs> yeah. yeah. All your research? All my research is on Pump It Up Party. <laughs> good to know. That's great. Uh, but shout out to them. Uh, I'd shout out the uh, person that wrote the article, but it just says by admin. Oh, good job, okay, admin. So, yeah, so good, good job. job. <laughs> and it could be a it could be a name, admin. Yeah, true. But first off, what do you think had to be because birthdays weren't obviously weren't a thing for a while. Yeah. So what do you think was the thing that had to be invented for birthdays to become a thing? Calendar. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Calendar. Good job. Which didn't happen for a while because early civilizations did not tend to keep calendars. Yeah. They did not tend to keep anything in writing because they moved around all the time. If you had to wager a guess who birthdays started with, I'm moving my phone away from Dad so he can't, like, see in peripheral vision. And they're like the Greeks? Ancient civilization. Egyptians. Because they were, they kept track of stuff. Oh, Remember? that's a good point. Yeah. Was that right? Papyrus? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so it started with the Egyptians. Um, the earliest mention of a birthday around 3000 BCE. And it, but it's interesting because it's not reference to your physical birth into the world. Because it was for the pharaoh. Mm. So it's celebrated because of his birth as a god. Right, so when he became the pharaoh. Right. Right. And then, so that's kind of a theme of these early birthdays, is that it's not so much a celebration as you were, of your physical entrance into the world, but some, like, spiritual element of birth. Because the Greeks picked it up later. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah. There you go. And they believed that each person had a spirit that was present on the day of his or her birth. And the spirit kept watch and had a mystic relation with the god whose birthday that particular individual was born. And I was going to say, I think they also celebrated if it was a boy versus it was a girl. I think they had, like, different celebrations. Yeah, like in Sparta, if it was a girl, they would throw them off a cliff. That's not a great celebration. That's not a great celebration. That's not a good birthday. I can see why that faded out. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) As well as the Spartans. Also, uh, is... (laughs) Wait, what did you say? As well as the Spartans. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, I will point out that it is something that's kind of was very popular a few decades ago to be like, oh, the Spartans would do this. Largely a myth. The Spartans would not oh, they throw their it. own children off of cliffs. That's good to, you know, yeah, to not, set that up, right? To not do that, yeah. And obviously the gods and goddesses were a huge part of Greek culture. Yeah. That's right. So Greeks would offer tributes and sacrifices to appease them. And the lunar goddess, Artemis, also goddess of the hunt, because the Greeks like to kind of mesh things together yeah. that were yeah. not, strictly, fun. not strictly related. But yeah. as a tribute to Artemis, the Greeks would offer up moon-shaped cakes adorned with lit candles to recreate the glowing radiance of the moon and Artemis's perceived beauty. That. Yeah, that makes so sense. the candles also symbolized sending of a signal or a prayer, and blowing out the candles with a wish is another way of sending a message to the gods. Ah. So the Egyptians invented it, and the Greeks really were the ones to... Um, kind of cultivate it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because it's assumed that the Greeks adopted the Egyptian celebration of celebrating birth of a god, like a lot of other pagan cultures... 
they thought that the days of major change welcomed evil spirits. The candles also represented uh, a light in the darkness, kind of a form of protection against evil spirits. They must not have had nutcrackers. Yeah. Yeah, no. exactly. We know nutcrackers scare those <laughs> evil spirits away. They would also yeah. use noisemakers to scare away unwanted evil. Again, yeah. we've so, heard of that like, before. Poo! Those, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. yeah. those scare away evil spirits. Oh, yeah, good spirits to know. Spirits are just scared yeah. by everything. Nutcrackers, yeah. jackal lanterns. It probably was not yeah, those right. specifically. No, those Loud noise noises. makers. <laughs> little, that's right, those little trumpet things. Maybe they yeah. use spoons. The little things that, you know, like like roll up and then. Yes, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Yes. So, do you know that they didn't have those? I could not objectively say that they did not have those. You know what? No, I can objectively say they could <laughs> did not have those. As we know them today... The Greeks did not um, have those. Okay, they were well. They were probably papyrus or something. Yeah, that would be, that would be a riot to see it like written somewhere. Like on a like on a vase somewhere. Like yeah, three with a little, like, yeah, like, the little thing. Coming it could out. show like the progression of yes. the rolling, yeah. the rolling yeah. out, extending, and they That's could right. be like, "All right, well, they did it. It's your, it's your clearly, own yeah." Those curly cues aren't just curly cues. But, Those are the things that yeah. they blew with the noisemakers, which is scare away evil um, spirits. <laughs> but the Romans were the first to celebrate the birth of the common man. Oh, interesting. So the Rome, so the Greeks took the Egyptian things and changed it. The Romans took the Greek thing, as the always. The Romans love the Greek <laughs> stuff. Yeah, yes, they, they really... But they changed it. Yeah. So regular Roman citizens would celebrate birthdays of their friends and family members, the government, however, created public holidays in honor of more famous citizens, mm. which would probably be very notable, like, Senate members or Caesar. Right. I imagine Caesar's birthday was probably a pretty big, yeah, yeah. Big, yeah. Deal. Sorry, pretty no. big deal. That's yeah. like how it is today when we celebrate, like, Lincoln's birthday, Washington's birthday, so that's interesting. My birthday, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> You're right that up is, there with That them. is true. I didn't think of that. We do have very notable because um, mm-hmm. MLK yeah. Day, too. And yeah. some are federal holidays, some, some are federal, lesser yeah. holidays, but still holidays. Yeah. yeah. So I couldn't say for sure, but maybe in the Roman Empire there were also regional, you know, if there was a right. regional person of yes. significance. And that would make sense yeah. if they did that regularly. Well, and then, of course, when Christianity popped up in Rome, well... Popped up like it just was like, <laughs> hey, <I'm here. laughs> the adoption of birthdays took on kind of a religious element. In Christianity, it's believed that all people are born with original sin, and that in combination with early birthdays, tied back to the pagan gods, that birthdays and the lighting of candles are a way of pushing away the darkness and evil. So that was a way of kind of incorporating, like Christendom did with a lot of holidays, right. some pagan it was festival pagan or tradition, yeah. and incorporating it into kind of the, the Christian belief system. Right. Take it and make it their own. Like Jesus' birthday. That's right. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, that's a big one. That is a big one. So that's, <laughs> that's kind of where it came from. After that, it spread out, and the German bakers were the first ones to oh. make, like, the cakes that we know today. And that makes sense. Because little, like, moon cakes would have been, like, little flat. Mm -hmm. Almost like a small cupcake. No. (laughs) (laughs) Not nearly as delicious. No, you had to go to Germany for that stuff. Mm. Remember Um, when we were in Germany and they had those round, moon-shaped, I'm going to bring it to to what we're talking about, moon-shaped 
it looked like cookies and stuff. And I just remember they were everywhere. And I remember thinking, what Aren't are they? Aren't all cookies moon-shaped? They were, they were huge. Were they they were these huge... Like, when you say moon-shaped, do you mean round? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think you meant crescent. But there were these, these round, yes. these big round cookie cake things, but they were everywhere. So they might have been a cookie, but I'm like, what are they? What yeah. kind of cookie? What are they doing? They have them everywhere, and they were their own form of a gingerbread. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm. They were delicious, so yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah go... Germany, yeah. They're Always making holidays goods. better. That's right. <laughs> yep. So the child's first birthday all over the world seemed to be the one that was the most important. Right. It's a big deal. Now, in ancient Rome, there were a couple of different dates that were important. Any Roman turning 50 years old would receive a special cake baked with wheat flour, olive oil, grated cheese, and honey. But it's... This is Rome. Important to note that only men got to celebrate birthdays. Oh, yeah, that makes until sense. Until the 12th century. Yep. I bet women were celebrating kind of on the down low. <laughs> so, Kinderfest, which started in the late 18th century, was the name for a German birthday party that is the closest to today's style of parties. It was held for German kids or a kinder and featured a birthday cake adorned with candles. Fun. So, like many of the holiday-related traditions, it started off with, like, Egypt, Greece, and Rome. Yeah. Went to Germany and then came over to the U.S. Yeah, isn't that funny? There seems to be a very much a progression there. There is a there. pattern of yeah. behavior there. So we are looking forward to celebrating our birthdays at the end of the month here. Dad's is also really soon after that as well. Maybe we'll celebrate them in the style of ancient Rome, Egypt, Greece. Dad, how would you feel about me baking you a cake of wheat flour, olive oil, grated cheese, and honey? As long as it has grated cheese in it. Mm-mm. <laughs> I don't know. It is interesting. It sounds more like a bread. It does. It It sounds like a cheese bread. It doesn't sound like a bad bread. I'm I'm game for a cheese bread. (laughs) Maybe we should should bring back, rather than cake, bring back the tradition of Roman cheesy bread (laughs) for for birthdays. Now cheesy bread, that just sounds yummy. Yeah. So we we are looking forward to celebrating the expulsion of evil on our birthdays. That's right. This, uh, a lot of noise. Late with April, lots of snacks. early May. Speaking of snacks. <laughs> no. No. I was going to say celebrate birthdays with a lot of noise. Speaking of noise. Oh, okay. No, but noise are very edible, so speaking of snacks. No, they are. No, no, no. The cicadas that I will be talking about can be very loud. Thus, the noise... The 13-year and 17-year cicadas are called periodical cicadas as opposed to annual cicadas. And I don't know how many people are aware that we actually get cicadas every year. Yes. I'm aware because yeah. I'm outside and I hear them all the time. Right. And They're it's, quite yeah. pleasant, but there's only a few of them. Right. So this year, 2021... We will see the largest brood of cicadas emerge from underground. The 17-year cicadas known as Brood 10 or Brood X. Well, they're... They sound like mutant cicadas. <laughs> X-Men. X-Cicada. 
they what you'll see is when they are written anywhere, if you see it in writing, you're going to see them referred to as brood X. Mm. X is the Roman numeral for 10. Right. So people call it brood X or brood 10. The article that I read was really insistent that we call them brood 10. But Dad says he's been seeing plenty of people call them Brood X. Yeah, so. in the news, they're calling it Brood X all the time. Yeah, so. so. It's the same thing. Right. Because it's 10, yeah. 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 So, anyways. But it just sounds more like extreme. I know. <laughs> <laughs> With the X. I kind of like it. Brood I do too. X, the it's largest like, brood of cicadas, 17 year cicadas. It's brood like X. iPhone X. That's it's right. like yeah, iPhone X. Right. It reminds me of um, like anything from the late '90s and early 2000s when it had to be like everything was extreme. Yeah. yeah. Right. So it was like water gun X, <laughs> cicadas X, brood X. When I say the largest, I'm talking about millions of insects emerging from the ground over a specific region in the eastern U.S. This may seem scary to think about, but there's a good reason for the mass emergence. Periodical cicadas are clumsy flyers and easy prey for a variety of birds and other insect-eating predators. Mass emergence of periodical cicadas is thought to be a form of predator avoidance. If millions of cicadas emerge at the same time, predators quickly eat their fill and leave the vast majority of cicadas alone to reproduce. This idea is supported by the fact that early or late emerging cicadas are generally not numerous enough to successfully reproduce because most of them are eaten. Yeah, the Andersons were telling me about the last brood, which was 2004. They had these cherry trees where they used to live, and they could never get cherries off the tree because the birds would eat the cherries before they ever got to them. But the year of brood X, brood 10 that year, 2004, they got cherries it was because the birds had filled up on cicadas so they were yummier i guess than the cherries <laughs> yeah um, which also reminds me about eating cicadas <laughs> and how we did that for our youth in church that we cooked and chocolate coated some cicadas and asked the kids if they wanted to eat them and a did few some? few kids ate them okay but yeah it's hard to get past the little, little red eyes that Beth will talk about probably. Oh, my goodness. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, cicadas are well known to be very edible. Yeah. As far as, like, insects go. Most insects are edible, but... Yeah. Very protein-filled. Yeah. Okay. Gross. Let's keep going. <laughs> Some people get worried about the mass emergence because large swarms of other insects, like locusts, can be destructive. Locusts can have a devastating effect on crops, plants, trees, flowers, but cicadas are not locusts. And if you see a swarm of locusts, you're kind of like, mm-hmm. is this the apocalypse? <laughs> right. Swarm of locusts have bad reputations for being apocalyptic. Exactly. And when you see a big mass of red-eyed cicadas coming out, it can also seem a little apocalyptic. Apocalyptic? Yes. It can also seem a little apocalyptic. Why am I having a hard time saying that? I would too, so. Apocalyptic. There we go. That's or- right. Yummy. (laughs) So cicadas do not sting or bite. They're not venomous. They are a very benign insect. They do have prickly feet that could prick your skin if you hold them. And if you have young or immature trees, you may want to cover them with netting or cheesecloth until after the cicadas are gone 
because a female cicadas like to lay eggs on thin branches and twigs. And if you're if you're playing outside, I remember um, with the youth we were outside because we would do outside activities, and some cicadas they fly everywhere. I mean, they're just like yeah. they're like the dumb flyers. They don't really yeah. look to where they're going, so they can run into you <laughs> and like land on your neck, you or land on your face, or your arm. You can get the false impression that they're like bump, like dive bombing, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. or that they're going to sting or something because yeah. they're prickly feet. They just looking for some place to land. Yeah. And sometimes, I, and so I know we had that happen multiple times where girls would scream because something it's landed shocking. on them. Yeah, and it's not small. It's, it's pretty, not. It's pretty yeah. big. Yeah. So, but they are not. They are not going to sting you or bite you or anything. Yeah, they're like not right. aggressive at all. No. Right, they're just clumsy. Yes. So let's talk about when cicadas emerge. Cicadas will begin to emerge when the soil about eight inches beneath the ground reaches sixty-four degrees. So back in 2004, the last time Brudex emerged, people were reporting emergences around May 13th. But if the weather is warmer, it could start in late April. Or colder, it could start late May. Exactly. Cicadas emerge, they come out to fly, court, mate, and lay eggs. So, in a nutshell, for 17 years, young cicada nymphs feed on sap from roots of trees and shrubs. The trees and shrubs are not harmed by this. When the ground reaches 64 degrees, the adult emerges. The cicada will appear white before its outer skeleton hardens, which takes a few hours. Males will live two to four weeks. They begin producing their loud mating calls to attract the females. After mating, females lay as many as 600 eggs in pencil-sized twigs of shrubs and trees. The females then die, and six to ten weeks later, the eggs hatch. Tiny nymphs fall from the twigs and burrow beneath the soil, like 6 to 18 inches, feeding on the sap of the roots for the next 17 years until it's time for the mature cicada to once again emerge. The appearance of the 17-year cicada can be unsettling, as we were talking about before, if you don't know that they are harmless. The adults are black with bulbous red eyes, <laughs> And the wings are clear with these distinctive orange veins. They can be one to two inches long, and they can have a wingspan up to three or four inches. So it could be daunting if you didn't, if you really didn't know that they're harmless. That could be scary. Well, I think the thing that um, kind of freaks you out a little bit when they land on you is those feet because yeah. they're a little prickly. So yeah. when you feel, especially if you don't see that it's a cicada or you don't know what a cicada right. is. When yeah. it lands on you and you feel it kind of like clamp onto you a little bit. Yeah. Right. They're not hard to get off. No. Like you don't want to like rip them off because that will... Yeah, like, that might like a, them. A leg might come off or something like that. But if you like slowly pull and then yeah. like toss it, it'll yeah. just fly in a different <laughs> direction. Right. Yeah. And that's something that's really good to point out. Yeah. So something the cicadas are known for is the sound they make. And... The sound is actually produced by the males to attract the females. They are extremely loud, which is what people are anticipating for this brood as it comes up, this extremely large brood. Okay, I think Randy has the sound here. Okay, so this is just what the noise it's making while on a stem. A single one. So that's one. That's one. And it was continuous. Randy, there was like a lot more of that to go. 
So imagine millions of them doing this, right? In your backyard or whatever. It can get up to 90 to 100 decibels, which is the equivalent of a lawnmower three feet away. Okay, so now Randy has a sound of apparently a million cicadas. I don't know who counted. I know. <laughs> it's hard to keep track. There they go. That's really funny. The guy that is um, videotaping that, he was saying, <laughs> it's so annoying. Yeah, I actually like the song. I, I actually, do. Yeah. It's interesting. And it's for a very small period of time. Right. They're here and gone in probably about six weeks. Interestingly, the female cicadas make no sound. They do not have sound-producing organs at all. Hmm. So it's only the males that are making these sounds. So, are you wondering if your state is going to experience the influx of cicadas? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I am going to read the states that can that can expect to see them. I wonder if it's ours, guys. It is. I can spoiler give you alert. a okay. spoiler alert. <laughs> it is. Well, don't spoil it. <laughs> Too late. All right. Delaware, Georgia, Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky, Maryland, Michigan, North Carolina, New Jersey... New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Washington, D.C. And interestingly, this piece of information I have goes into which counties in each state you will see. Why don't you list all the counties? I'm not going to do that. (laughs) But I will say you can look it up on cicadamania.com. Because when we got to Virginia, I was like, oh, I wonder if... Warren County is going to get them. And it is, according to them. There you go. So if you're in any of those states, you can expect to see them. Now, interestingly, we live in a day and time with apps. So you can help with the reporting of cicadas using the Cicada Safari app. The report, do cicadas need to be reported? They do. Is it, a, is it a see something, say something kind of situation? It is. It's available at the Google Play Store or Apple Store. So you can be a participant in the gathering of Brood X or Brood 10 cicada information for 2021. Very cool. It really, it really is. It's just I didn't know so much of this. And yeah, well, I like... Passing the information on to others. And I, I have memories of cicadas as a as a kid. And they never... I always thought it was cool because they leave their shells. Yeah. They mm. look exactly like cicadas, just without the wings. And they're, like, stuck on the trees. Yeah. These kind of... These molted out, like, smaller skins. So I always thought it was neat when I was little. I would go out into the woods and, like, try to pull them off of the trees because they're, like, latched on yeah but they're empty they're like these cicada-shaped husks yeah yeah which is really neat yeah Uh, and the noise i also like the noise i think it's a fun you know if you're if you're a person who has to sleep in absolute silence maybe the cicadas are for you (laughs) yeah but uh they never really bothered me yeah and a couple things if you're not in a state that normally gets 
cicadas, or you've never lived in a state before and now you've moved to one, it can sound pretty daunting right. uh, to somebody. We have friends that we've talked about that are looking to move from Texas up to Virginia. So they've started to hear about this big brood yeah. of cicadas. And Millions of cicadas yeah, coming up out of the ground. Right, if not yeah. billions. And so right. it's can sound pretty bad, but it really is not. It's just part of summer, and right. for a few weeks, it can be a little bit crazy because right. there's a lot of them flying around, but and hitting your car. But that's about <laughs> it. But they're and, not like they're not like you said locusts or anything. They're not going to destroy your crops. They're or, not going to eat any of your yeah, stuff. They're right. not going to yeah sting you or bite you. And it's interesting because the males only live two to four weeks, and they're the only ones with the sound mechanisms. And so I, the sound is only for two to four weeks. And I could be wrong, but the males, once they're in their like flight form, can only mate. They can't eat, right? None, they, none of them eat. None yeah, of they them don't eat, eat until they eat. are like larvae. Yeah, right. they only ground. eat when they're larvae. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, what I thought. Growing. So the other thing that when the big birds come out, as you start to see on TV, um, like on morning shows and things like that, yeah. the cooking of cicadas. Yeah. Which there you, are a number of recipes for tasty cicada <laughs> treats if you're interested in trying them. Yeah, if you are, then yeah, look that up, Google it. I'm not talking about it. I don't think it sounds good at all. Wow. But kind of leaving a big part of the cicada <laughs> experience out there. That's true. I wouldn't want to deprive other people of that experience. Ah, thank you so much. Yeah. Um, and for those of you who maybe like still a little concerned about cicadas, they don't have stingers. And their uh, the cicada's mouth parts, like the rostrum or beak, is like a butterfly in the shape of a straw. So it's not; it doesn't even have like a little like pincers or anything. Right, like it doesn't have; it can't clamp to get onto you. Yeah, right. Because it's it's been living on the sap from roots. Right, and that's this. That's its way of getting. It's, right. It is like a little straw. Thing. Yeah, it is. And now yeah. it doesn't fold, it doesn't roll up like a butterfly's might. Right. But yeah. Yeah, it's not going to, it's not going to pincer. Right. Click, click, bite you. Right. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't have the capability. Yeah. So something to look forward to birthdays and cicadas in May, April and May. That's right. Birthdays. Big, yeah. di- big times there. Yeah, yeah, big times. That's right. Our future festivities are for the week of April 26th. April 26th is National Pretzel Day. April 27th, National Tell-A-Story Day. April 28th, National Superhero Day and Sydney's birthday. Yay! <laughs> April 29th, Zipper Day and Beth and my 32nd anniversary, wedding anniversary. April 30th, National Bugs Bunny Day and Cole's birthday. Interesting. May 1st is May Day. Like May Day. May, May Day. Day. <laughs> And May 2nd is Brothers and Sisters Day. Oh, that's nice. You can follow us on social media. On Twitter, we are at Holiday underscore Moons. On Instagram, we are at Holiday Moons, one word. On Facebook, you can find us by searching Holiday Moons in the search bar. We have a Facebook page and a Facebook group. And you can email us at any time at HolidayMoons at gmail.com. So for Sydney, Randy, Cole, and Beth, Happy Birthday!
Tecaritlán con sus mujeres hermosas Bonito Tecaritlán con sus mujeres hermosas Cuando me iba yo a bailar, son de las mariposas Pero hay que gusto me da de acordarme de esas cosas Ay, 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 Tecaritlán Oh, oh, oh. 